Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out February 6th, 2019. And I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. And we are going to run you through all the new comic books that are out this week. It's exciting because there's a bunch of them, some big number ones, some really good stuff. We're going to tell you why we enjoyed them, what we enjoyed about each one of them, and it sort of entice you to throw money at your <laughs> podcast device, uh, which will in turn give it to us, and then we will somehow give you comic books. I <laughs> that's think how that's that how works. it works, right? Yeah. yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. I mean, that's how it works. <laughs> uh, that's what we do on the show. We're going to also tell you all the other books that are out this week on our digital apps and our collections. But before we get into that, Tucker, I saw mm-hmm. Jurassic Park on 35mm. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. At the Alamo Draft House this weekend. Yeah. Oh, boy. Was it awesome? It does not compare. Watching yeah. that movie in that way- you know, like there's part of you that goes, but it looks better when it's all digital and restored and like pristine. But there's just yeah, something no to the tactile. I totally agree. Little feel yeah. of it. All right. But we got to get into the books out this week. And uh, first book this week is Age of X-Men. That's I got. Oh, I did that. I feel like that's how it's going to be for the next wow. like, two months. All right. Marvelous X-Men. Number one uh, is written by Zach Thompson and Lottie Nadler. Art by Marco Faila. And colors by Matt Mila with letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. This is it. This is the first full series that we're getting into after the Age of X-Men issue we had last week. And Marvelous X-Men, fantastic. I love this. It focuses on the core sort of popular and well-recognized X-Men in this I want to know if I want to call it universe or world or yeah, reality or whatever it is. Yeah. We don't know the full story yet, but this team, this X-Men group, it's Storm, Magneto, X-23, Nightcrawler, Jean Grey, Nature Girl, and Nate Grey. And Nate is clearly hiding things from everyone mm-hmm. in this. And I, I think and I, I hope that Nature Girl gets a big boost out of this series. She first appeared during Jason Aaron's run on Wolverine and the X-Men. She has the, honestly, maybe the greatest superpower in my opinion, <laughs> the mutant power to... Talk to animals and plants. Yeah. I talk to my cats. I talk to every dog I see. I say, hello, how are you? If I could know what they were thinking and feeling, and it would be incredible. It's great. She has this great power, and she has cool antlers. So hopefully more people get on the Nature Girl train. She's really cool. We also see Nightcrawler here as a sort of hugely famous movie star, which is a, yeah. a real neat touch. Yeah, He has like this James Bondian like film series they're like puns on uh bond movies which is really cool uh we get more insight into the differences of the world how they you know live how they love or more accurately what i found really interesting how they don't love Mm -hmm. what that means to this society how they're perceived it's so much fun to dig into a universe and we're getting to like actually like see the building blocks all throughout this which is it's great totally my first book this week is my first pick of the week. It's Avengers number 14, and it's written by Jason Aaron and has art by David Marquez. Colors by Justin Potzer and Eric Arseniega. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I'm such a, a huge fan of Jason Aaron. If you love comics, I think you love Jason Aaron. And one of my favorite things about him is his ability to write any genre. He wrote Star Wars for, um, you know, something like 50 issues, 40, 50 issues. He is writing Conan the Barbarian. He's writing Avengers. uh, He's writing Thor. These cosmic books, these books that are 
set in totally different universes, these books that just draw on different tones and kind of themes and emotions and are just couldn't be more different. Not only just the the titles of those books, but within those books, I should say. It, it's so cool to see him experimenting with different uh, stories and different genres. Like in this issue, the Daywalker Blade has been circling the Avengers for a few is- issues now. And finally, we're here and we are at the Castle of Dracula and we get to see Blade be his most bladest and it rules. Castle Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, one million percent. Welcome I'm on board with Castle that. Castle Dracula. <laughs> Avengers number 14. If we should do the rest of the episode that way. In this issue. <laughs> um, and uh, there's one splash page in here that kind of knocked me back in my seat when I was reading. David Marquez crushes this amazing splash of Robbie Reyes, the ghost writer, who has an encounter. I don't want to say too much about what happens, but uh, it's so metal and awesome and really dark at the same time. Super cool stuff. And I just want to, you know, I want more of these kind of stories. Yeah, Marquez's art is like a love child between like a European master, Arthur Adams, Jim Lee, and Wills Portacio. Mm. And it's like, I, I think of Jim and Wills as like very kinetic and intense, really cool stuff, but they are a bit scratchier than David right. is. David is very refined lines, mm-hmm. but so meticulously detailed and so fine in all his work and he's not as cartoony as Arthur Adams but he's wow he yeah. just wows me every time he does an issue also the we were talking about nunchucks recently and I, I said like we need more nunchucks in <laughs> comics Blade has these silver nunchucks yeah. that have little like blades on them right just the cool <laughs> like it's just it's so over the top yeah. I loved every second of it. Uh, we're a bunch of uh, sillies, and we skipped over one of our books where we usually go alphabetically. We missed Asgardians of the Galaxy, number six. And this one is so much fun. It is written by Cullen Bunn, guest art by Matteo Bufagni, colors by Federico Bli, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And, you know, you have the the Asgardians. We're, we're just calling them the Asgardians right now, even though they're not all exactly yeah as guardians yeah you know you have a troll on here you have a asgardian powered frog whatever right anyway <laughs> uh they're on the run from like ev- everyone thanks to nebula and then they crash on this planet that just so happens to thanks to loki in this point have the coolest team of ravagers yeah. on it and i don't i really want to spoil this but i also won't spoil it because i want you all to read it i'll just say that yondu is on there mm-hmm as well as some really fun uh, characters from Cosmic Stories that are connected to Drax and other members of the crew. It's a hoot. It's really like a fun callback to various different things. Cullen is just, he's going ham here. He's just Mm -hmm. having a lot of fun with the characters on the Ravagers, with the mysteries, with the plots, with the cool ideas. It's a really, really great issue. Also great is the next book in our list, which is Champions, number two. And... uh, Tucker, I was not expecting the events of this issue to happen uh, before I read it. But it is put together by writer Jim Zub, artist Stephen Cummings, colorist Marcio Menes, and letterer VCs Clayton Cowles. One thing I was not expecting, the champions getting their butts handed to them by Zax. That's three Zs (laughs) and an X. Zax is a really cool monster. He's made of electricity. He actually first appeared during the 1970s, but feels like he came straight out of a Jack Kirby or Steve Ditko sci-fi book Mm -hmm. of the late 1950s. He feels 
really authentic to that era, which is what they tried to create him as, uh, which is neat. He's a scary villain, often used to sort of like the hero beats him to show how strong he is because he is a, a big, powerful dude. But here he's terrifying. He's brutal. The fight between Zat, I have to like say it right. The fight between <laughs> Zax and the champions is so dynamic and massive because Steven and Marcio are really, really good together. I won't say much more. You should totally jump on this book now if you haven't yet. This is only number two. You can get it on the ground floor. Totally. Next up is the aforementioned Conan the Barbarian. This is issue number three. It's written by Jason Aaron with art by Mahmoud Azrar, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. There's a clip on Marvel.com right now where uh, Earth's Mightiest Show co-host Langston Belton sits down with Jason Aaron to chat about a bunch of different things, including Conan the Barbarian. Uh, and something that he talks about in there, of course, is his approach to this series and how they're kind of focusing on jumping between a bunch of different stories throughout Conan's life in that kind of classic Conan kind of anthology style. And then throughout the first 12 issues of this big arc, these other bigger th- overarching themes will emerge and, you know, the bigger story is told. We're getting definite hints of that, definite little uh, nuggets of the Crimson Witch in particular in this issue. But the issue starts out with Conan being sent to the gallows. And it's kind of a like a movie or a story trope that I love so much where it's just like a character's last or perceived last moments before they're going to be hanged. It's never, this series never fails to remind you like how perfect Jason Aaron is for it, how perfect Mahmoud Asrar is for it, because I just think tonally it just works so well. Everything from the loincloths to the sword swinging, everything like that. I just love it so much. Yeah. Uh, One thing I found fun about this is, in this story, in this one that Jason tells the bulk of this issue, he's 17. Yeah. Conan is like this little young punk who gets caught during a robbery because he just wasn't yeah. smart enough yet. Mm. But he's still strong yeah. and scary. Yeah. It's dope. It's really good. Up next is a big one. It is Daredevil number one, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Coquetto, colors by Sony Go. And uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And it is my second pick of the week. I'm on the record as being a massive Chip Zdarsky fan, as I know many, many, many people are. That is not really a unique trait there for me, because Chip, who started out with something like Howard the Duck, alongside Joe Quinones, and what is like one of my favorite runs, you know, of any book of any series in recent years. And then, you know, over the last year, having written Marvel 2-in-1 about uh, Johnny and Ben and their quest to kind of bring the Fantastic Four back, his work on Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man, he's emerged from being like just one of the funniest writers around to just being straight up one of the best writers around. Before Um, you continue, yes, I just want to say... We can't really discuss this without talking about the end of the last Daredevil Mm -hmm. series or the Man Without Fear series. So if you have not read those and don't want to get any spoilers, which at this point is a little tough. It's been a couple weeks. Feel free to skip ahead a couple minutes. I'm going to leave it at that. Tucker, continue. (laughs) Okay. Hopefully you've hit your fast forward uh, button by now. But Matt went through a, a really traumatic life and death scenario where he almost died. He 
had not just that kind of physical trauma, but then in the hospital recovering, this is kind of what Man Without Fear covers, written amazingly by Jed McKay, is the kind of emotional trauma that that put him through and, and kind of asked a bunch of questions of Matt, why he's doing this, the demons of his past, the people and things that have been sacrificed for his kind of journey as a hero, as a man. We feel those kind of reverberations throughout I think something that I love seeing Chip do here is with a certain kind of new story or new number one, something like Black Panther, the ongoing Black Panther right now comes to mind with the Galactic Empire of Wakanda, where it's just like, I love seeing a writer make big, bold choices being like, this is something totally new, totally fresh in visuals, in the setting, in every single manner possible. In this, I love the boldness of the writer to pick up these kind of perennial classic elements of a character and to totally make them his own and to totally take advantage of them and to examine them in a new way. Specifically, I'm thinking of this with like flashbacks to Matt's childhood, to Matt's relationship with Catholicism and the church and belief in God and the classic dichotomy between Matt Murdock, the man, and Daredevil, the the hero. All I got to say is, man, this Matt guy has been through a lot lately. Poor fella. Poor guy. There is a really cool backup in there by Chip. Yeah. Chip writes and draws a little backup story. Yeah, it's it's really great. It's kind of a really beautiful, concise Daredevil uh, story. It's only like two pages long, I think, Mm -hmm. total. Because on the left page is kind of this kind of world global third person perspective on things. On the right side, it's like seeing things through Matt's sonar abilities and uh, his kind of unique, everything is kind of darkened out with the circles and everything. And uh, I know that Chip has been doing a ton of just work, just like he does promo pieces for his book sometimes just because he has fun doing it. And I saw he did some really cool things for invaders like that. He did like this really hilarious video to promote daredevil as well. So that feels totally in line with that where it's just like chip is so passionate about these things. He's just like, Hey, I want to do this. So why not? He's great at it. Canadian get go spirit. Oh yeah. Right. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next book this week was almost one of my picks. This is Deadpool number nine. It's written by Scotty Young with art and colors by Nick Klein and letters by Jeff Eckleberry. I think Nick is an amazing artist. I think he's a perfect Deadpool artist because he has the ability to draw action and capture the movement and the dynamic qualities of of all that really beautifully. But something that I think is super crucial to a Deadpool story is capturing the emotion. And I think his super painterly style, and specifically in this issue, is a lot of kind of darker hues, a lot of blues and purples and things like that. Even the red of Deadpool's suit is kind of twinged in this kind of darker light. It's really, really interesting. There's a cool story emerging in this issue revolving around Deadpool's heart. He comes into contact with Jessica Jones, with Daredevil, with a couple other characters, and there's a kind of fascinating new, really fresh, really new, mystical kind of take on this new chapter here. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really, really digging this and and really excited for more. Yeah, I, Nick Klein's art in here. Oh, yeah. Like, that was what smacked me over the head, that hitting the noir and mm-hmm. then Scotty with his the dialogue yeah. and the, the monologues and everything. It was, it was so good. I got a little tripped up with how does Deadpool move without a heart. Yeah, of course. Like, 
I can understand giant space gods who give a thumbs down and destroy a planet. <laughs> but I was like, guy without a heart. But then, I, you know, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm all in. You have to be. Let's do this. You forgot one very important thing about that book. Yes. Senor Magico. Yeah. He shows up. <laughs> our boy. Yeah. yeah. He's not forgotten. He is beloved. So good. Up next is Gunhawks number one. And this is written by David and Maria Lapham. Art by Luca Pizzari. Colors by Niraj Manan and Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Oh, man. Go read Stray Bullets. Have you ever read Stray Bullets? No, I haven't. Maria and David, they do some of the, if not the best, crime comics, period, Mm -hmm. ever. Grit and intensity and really hard-hitting comics just about better than anyone else. Their story here uh, takes that sort of vibe but gives it a Western setting, a Western, yeah. you know, the Wild West tropes. Uh, their story, it's bloody, bloody story of, of this Wild West revenge and about choices and consequences. Really cool stuff. At the back, my pal Brian Overton, who works in our collected editions group, he writes a little uh, history of Western comics at Marvel, which is neat. There's also some cool covers in a gallery like we've been doing in these 80th anniversary issues. And just a quick FYI, the Gunhawks name here is not tied to the original Gunhawks comic we produced in, I think it was the 70s. Mm. And we're going to leave it at that. This is just taking the name, taking it as a Western and moving on. Yeah. There we go. I've spoken about this before that Westerns are my favorite genre of storytelling, whether it's novels or films or anything like that. So I had a great time with this, and but it made me wonder: Do you have a favorite Western movie? Unforgiven. Oh come on! Uh, I I've loved the line "Deserves got nothing to do with it." Yeah. Like that just gets stuck Legendary. in my head at times. Yeah, and that movie is so beautifully shot, and it's it's a you know obviously a modern Western, yes. but it feels modern yet it also feels completely classic. Uh, yeah, I think Unforgiven. Would be yeah, that's too. that's a great answer. A huge element of of Western films for me is just the title. Just the title, mm. you know, like, and what that, the tone that that sets. Young Guns 2. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, but, so I, I think like Unforgiven is like, there's storytelling in one word there, you know what I mean? which is so cool. Oh, uh, I gotta watch that again. So what about cool. you? Oh, I, I, um, probably a fistful of dollars. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you mean, can't go wrong yeah. like with those movies. Yeah. The next book this week is Immortal Hulk number 13. It's written by Al Ewing with pencils by Joe Bennett and inks by Roy Jose with Bellardino Bravo and Rafael Fonturiz. Colors by Paul Mounts and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. This feels like a liminal issue where things are, certain doors are closing, other doors are opening up, but none of that comes before. Just the most horrific wildly imaginative, uh, monstrous, skin-stretching... Cronenberg meets Carpenter. Yeah. You know, like, real twisted, like, beautiful and horrifying at the same time. Totally, totally agreed. I mean, there there is an amazing, you know, quite literally earth-shaking story being told for the last few issues here that is tied heavily, heavily, heavily into Bruce Banner's past, the legacy of the Hulk, his family story, and kind of what makes him who he is. So there, that all tied in together is really just as 
big a story as things get. And we've spoken about this before, but we pick it as our pick of the week, like almost every single issue. And this is an amazing issue for sure. This was nearly uh, one of my picks. Yeah, it's a special book. This is a, a another great issue. And, uh, you know, as we spin into a new direction, it's just, you know, even more fascinating. I really hope this is also Al Ewing's secret, like, backdoor pilot for an, an Alpha Flight yeah. series featuring yeah. Puck, Sasquatch, Absorbing Man, Titania. Yeah, the, like, the richness of that stories and, like, of those characters. It's incredible. like we got three or four pages total, and I am, I like, I yeah. could feast on that yeah. for days. Yeah, it's totally so agree. Yeah. Oh, before we keep going with our cavalcade of new comic book releases. We got to give a thanks to our advertiser this week, Marvel MasterCard, because if you want to be the superhero in your life, you got to apply for the Marvel MasterCard. Learn how at marvelmastercard.com slash list. You could earn 3% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on comic books, movies, restaurants, and more with the Marvel MasterCard and 1% cashback rewards paid as a statement credit on all other purchases. There's no limit on the cashback rewards you can earn. You can enjoy special Marvel benefits like three months of a Marvel Unlimited subscription. Oh, yeah. You can also choose your superhero from one of six cool card designs, too, like Iron Man, Black Panther, and Spider-Man, just to name a few. Visit marvelmastercard.com slash list to learn more and apply today. marvelmastercard.com slash L-I-S-T. All right. Back to the action. And, oh, boy, this is my first Pick of the week. It is Killmonger number four. Have you picked every single one of these? You think, like might have. I think you know what the only one I think I didn't pick was number one. Right. I am completely in the tank yeah, for this series. Totally. Without question. It is written by Brian Hill. Art and the cover by Juan Ferreira. Lettering by VCs Joe Sabino. All the art is by Juan, who is solidifying himself. Mm-hmm. Every issue is just like a master, but this book, oh man, this is so good. It's so rich. It's so detailed. Everything feels so earned and so everything factors in. Mm-hmm. Every decision, every movement, it's it weighs so much. Juan yeah. Ferreira, he is doing genius stuff. Like the way he's framing panels, there's a, a thing that he does similar to what Joe Bennett does, is takes two pages in order to tell the story in a different way is instead of like, okay, I have this one page and I'm going to build it into panels. No, I'm going to look at two pages. How do I utilize different space in mm-hmm. those two pages? Oh, you know what? I want a full panel that goes across both pages. It's not a new thing, but when it's used correctly, mm-hmm. it is so effective. I'm looking at this scene in the snow. One of the characters throws an ax, you know, he starts on the left page and it continues all the way over to the right page so it's this one panel across the top spanning these two pages he throws the axe sort of in the left side middle of one page and you see the axe traveling he has it in different rotations Mm -hmm. and it's getting smaller you're getting a depth of field all this stuff and then he has an insert panel where the axe lands it's so effective i've like braced myself reading this i almost said watching this because it's so incredible but really you know it's all about this story about violence and revenge upon revenge and you know how revenge keeps furthering killmonger into doing different things how his it builds his fear it builds his anger which builds his feelings for revenge which builds his fear builds his you know like this cycle and we know what that cycle leads him to i don't want to say much more about the plot Mm because there are big things happen to killmonger here to the people that he's been allied with and so 
you know, you need to read the series, but it ends with this amazing panel of him, teeth just gritting, blood coming down over his mm-hmm. teeth, this look, the anger and fury in him is, it's like, get out of his mouth. Yeah, there, it, it, I'm so glad you mentioned his, his like gritted teeth specifically, because I was thinking as I was reading this and as you were talking about it, I love the way that Juan draws mouths yeah. Like they stand out in a, in a really cool way. And the other thing that I was thinking, this is something that we've spoken about one or two times recently is it's like, now we're going, okay, he is pissed off and we're going in like full throttle in a new direction here. And I loved it. Yeah. So yeah. good. I, I I feel this way that Juan right now is getting on par for me with Frank quietly mm. in the way I just like get absorbed in the way he tells a story incredible High praise read this book up next is old man quill number one written by ethan Sachs, art by robert gill colors by andres mosa and letters by vcs joe caramagna so you know we've had the original old man logan story uh which has continued into the old man logan series we've had old man hawkeye here we go with a new story set in this this timeline mm-hmm. this reality but the thing I was thinking about was like for a really wonderful, sweet, friendly, great dude, Ethan sure knows how to write upsetting stories. Yeah. Like specifically like upsetting post-apocalyptic comics. Oh yeah, yo. Old Man Hawkeye told the story of what happened to Hawkeye before the events of the original Old Man Logan. I'm not fully sure when this takes place mm-hmm. because it takes place sort of in two parts. In the beginning, uh, you've got Peter Quill as Emperor of Spartax, and he's going up against the Universal Church of Truth. Universal Church of Truth, really cool. They're this great cosmic force of evil that's plagued Adam Warlock and the Guardians and many others, but they are terrifying and just like sort of spreading their message mm-hmm. around the cosmos, whether you want it or not. Yeah. It's really intense. And then here, quote goes up against them and it does not end well. The level of devastation that he endures mm-hmm. is intense. But then we shoot forward a little bit where Peter links back up with the Guardians for a mission, which takes them to Earth. And so when we actually get to Earth, and I'm sure we'll figure this out in the coming issues, I'm not sure if it fits into the Hawkeye time, the more Logan time, afterwards, before. Like, there's 50-odd years of -hmm. of time to play with. But, you know, they paint this picture of loss and old age that I think Robert and Andres really, really hit home. Seeing poor... Old rocket raccoon yeah. using a cane that got me. Yeah, it was real rough. Yeah, great stuff, but I'm sure just the beginning of a lot of future sad feelings. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is Star Wars number sixty one, which is written by Kieran Gillen, with art by Andrea Bricardo, colors by Gruer EFX, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. This is the Escape Part Six. We're wrapping up this story arc here. And as we've been exploring on the moon of Huben, it's really cool kind of almost like fish out of water story or like fishbowl story, maybe I want to say. And it has to do with fish. But uh, I say that because like it's been a really interesting art to see these characters kind of on this one planet dealing with the same kind of cast of characters and started out rather well. And then things have really devolved quickly. Scar Squadron has come in and disrupted things even more now finally we see the gang escape 
and go off on the planet, reunite with other members of the Rebellion as the Scar Squadron is kind of close behind, uh, is really, really cool. And so I'm excited to, you know, jump into a new story arc, starting with issue number 62, and continue the, you know, the classic Rebellion running. Never stop running. Yeah. Up next, we have Star Wars Age of Republic, Anakin Skywalker, number one. It's written by Jody Hauser and art by Corey Smith and Wilton Santos, inks by Walden Wong, colors by Yawa Tartaglia, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And, uh, you know, Jody, whenever she's on a Star Wars book, I'm like, I know this is going to be great. Yep. She knows her Star Wars in and out. We got the story of Anakin trusting his feelings, even though they're in conflict with military plans, you know, the sense of justice, doing what's right which eventually leads him to peril leads him to heroism leads him to ruin all these things yeah. here fortunately it's the heroism part of things a uh, very solid story especially when you take in everything you know of his saga and what all is to come uh next book this week is tony stark iron man number eight it's written by dan slot with art by valerio skeedy Colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. There's been a really fascinating thing that has kind of gone through all of this, you know, these first issues of Dan Slott's run with Tony Stark having to do with the escape or the escape here. And that is this kind of virtual reality that Stark Industries has built. But what's really cool as the story has progressed and matured is we've seen and we are seeing the line between virtual reality and reality be totally blurred, if not obliterated entirely. And that's something that's so fascinating. There's so much room for exploration in, in there because we see a lot of stuff happening in the real world. We see a lot of stuff happening in the escape, but both of them are equally as kind of deathifying and dangerous and there's so much at stake across the board there's some really cool stuff that happens in this issue that i loved so much that kind of took advantage of the early mid 60s tony stark visual the early avengers look things like that mm. in here which is really really cool to kind of see dan and valerio playing with the nature of reality of the way these things are visualized of course it has the depth of you know everything that Dan Slott does. Yeah, I, I think that's the point that I love most when he like hits you in the gut and Dan like the layers of storytelling and the emotional to the funny to the sad to the, all those things like oof. Yeah. he's I don't know. I feel like people sort of underestimate Dan's ability to crush your emotions. Yeah. And he hits you all the time. Yeah. So good. Also, uh, as everybody knows, I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. Yes. And the controller in here uh, is a character, a villain who I don't know a ton of. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, learning in here that he takes in the energy he gets from controlling people he uses to power himself up. And even at one point here, he's like, this isn't even my final form. Right. Uh, it was like a big Dragon Ball moment for right. me. I was like, oh, I can't wait yeah, to yeah. see what he transforms into. <laughs> all right. Up next is my second Pick of the week, and that is Uncanny X-Men number 11. And this is a whopper of a comic. Yeah. It has got three stories, and it is supersized. The first story is written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Salvador LaRocca and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Then there are two other stories we'll get to in a, in a bit. But the first story starts with the caption, every X-Men story is the same. 
And that's from Cyclops' point of view, talking about how they fight for equality and peace and, you know, on and on and on, over and over and over again. They keep these, they keep fighting and fighting and fighting. But he also says, this is the last X-Men story. Mm -hmm. And that's a very intense thing. I love in here that Matt, now writing it solo, he's just throwing in all kinds of little Easter eggs and goosey-goos. And he includes Harry's Hideaway, which is an X-Men staple. It's like the pub in the town near where the original uh, Xavier school was. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, like very important part of X-Men lore, all that in there. And that was neat. But this is one gloomy story. Yeah. It is dire. Yeah. You know, the X-Men are dead or at least believed to be. See the first 10 issues of Uncanny X-Men and then the current Age of X-Men stuff. And then humanity is swinging hardcore against the remaining mutants. And we see that big time in here. Violence, hate speech, talk of genocide against mutants, political maneuvering, mutants being attacked or dying or going into hiding. It is nasty stuff. Mm -hmm. And man, some of it it feels like a twisted mirror reflection of our own world, Mm -hmm. uh, which makes it all the more disturbing and all the more relevant and and intense to read. Very messed up. But by the end of the issue or the end of the story, I don't know if we get hope so much as we're getting something we need, you know, as X-Men fans, as people who love the mutants. So we'll see. The second story is my favorite in this issue and is called Wolverine Returns. (laughs) Very straight ahead. It is written by Matthew, but art by John McRae and Mike Spicer. And I adore John McRae. He is one of my all-time favorite artists. He's done a ton of books that I love. I adore John's art, but I also... Matt writes a friggin' incredible Logan. Like I don't, <laughs> I'm try, I've been trying to put together. We haven't seen him write right. a lot of Wolverine. Yeah, that's interesting. Because Wolverine's been dead, yeah. and, or different versions of him. So he's getting to write real classic new Logan. Yeah, whatever he is, but it's so good. There's this one thing in particular, and I tweeted about this, and Matt was like, "What did he like?" Text me right afterwards. Which one? What did you like? Mm-hmm. And it's this line quote. If I wanted revenge, you'd need more Avengers than this. <laughs> like that phrase Come on. and the context of it, it is so good. And it reminded me of that deserves got nothing to do with yeah. that line and the way it's delivered, the way it's just the feeling of it. It's so good. And it blew my face off. And then <laughs> the panel that it's on is Wolverine. And it's really tight close up of his eyes. John draws his eyes really cool. It's very dangerous. And the way that Mike's colors work into it and this like sort of red hue on the side it is just tremendous Mm -hmm. it's really really good and that is one of my favorite logan bits but that whole logan story was incredible and the third story is about blindfold who's this clairvoyant mutant she first showed up in the pages of joss whedon and john castay's run on astonishing x-men is got uh, art by juan and ramirez with matt rosenberg doing the writing and colors by rochelle rosenberg it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's beautifully illustrated and it's weird and it's haunting and it's twisty in all the ways that Matt is so good at writing. But it's very intense and it does come with sort of uh, a little bug about National Suicide Prevention Lifeline because that is part of what this issue – there are aspects of that that deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is not taken lightly in this at all and it is something that if you need someone to talk to – Please do talk to someone. Totally. You know, I, Matt is such an incredible writer. And this this was so special to see and to, to read this issue because, look, we have 
untold numbers of like legendary comics that are, you know, among the most renowned and greatest in the medium's history. Uh, but to see there was something special about seeing Matt take on Uncanny X-Men straight up writing this solo. He's like the best guy. And so just for me, that added this extra dimension of it for me where it's just like, oh man, this is so, so, so cool because it's so special. Yeah, the dude... His like favorite things are the X Men and the Punisher. Yeah, and he's writing the X Men and the Punisher. Yeah, what does he do from here? <laughs> it's great. I love it. Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, next issue this week is Wolverine: The Long Night Adaptation. This is number two. It's written by Benjamin Percy with art by Marcio Takara, colors by Matt Mila, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I have a couple of notes on this. First of all, is that recently Benjamin Percy the writer of the adaptation and the original script for the podcast was in the office doing some work. He was, he was here for some super secret meetings downstairs, but he also did some stuff with new media team and he did a video that was recorded like 10 feet from my desk. So I was listening to him talk for like 40 minutes and that dude has the craziest sounding voice ever. I don't know why he's not a cast member of his own podcast. It's like, it is hard to believe I, so deep. It's so like, deep. It is like crazy. Swoon worthy. Yeah. It's like, oh, please talk. It's more. crazy. Uh, it was a delight to sit there and listen to that for a day. And then beyond that, this being a real comic book, I'm holding my hand is the closest I will ever get to being directly involved in some of these things. Because if you go to WolverinePodcast.com, which is written down in the credits page, I... Yours truly wrote a little character uh, backup, little character kind of few paragraphs explaining who Logan is and things like that. And that's on there. And I got to flex some muscles in there and it felt great. So if you only divert from the main street of this podcast and then like take like eight lefts and like go way (laughs) off of your normal course. Somehow I uh, find a way to make it about me. But anyway, back to the issue. It's a story that felt when you were listening to it like a comic book story in the best way because it had those dramatic beats. You followed the characters in a way that felt really similar to the way you follow a character through panels, across pages, things like that. So as we're discovering more about this kind of mysterious weird cult, some weird figures in Burns, Alaska here. One of the really interesting things about the podcast was how sparingly, in a way, Wolverine was used. So when we get these little moments with him in here, where maybe we're seeing him in silhouette or we're just getting a few words from him, things like that, you're just constantly kind of begging for more because it's so good and it's it's so well done. There's some great Wolverine stuff in here and it ends with one of my favorite moments from the entire podcast, which is maybe it was the end of episode two. Two or three. Yeah, but it, it's a phone call that happens and uh, there's just a very brief, very, very brief conversation that happens. So it was really cool to see that uh, here in this book. Yeah. All right. Final book of the week is X-23 number nine, written by Mariko Tamaki, pencils by Diego Orlotegui, and inks by Walden Wan, J.P. Meyer, and Scott Hanna, with colors by Chris O'Halloran. And, oh man, I actually let out an audible whoa, like a <laughs> whoa, while reading this. I got to this double page spread where Laura is battling a horde of robots. It's incredible. Yeah. Diego just doing some really cool work. You've got Literally, I counted them, dozens of panels, some bigger ones sort of framing it on the top and on the left side, some extra action in the foreground, just 
trying to wrap my brain around how you come to this. Right. Like how you say, okay, this is what this is going to look like. And then put it all together. It is incredible. It's wonderfully choreographed, very badass. Major shout outs to that. It's one of my favorite spreads of the week. And in some ways reminds me a little bit of artist Mark Silvestri. But I love Mariko on this book. She makes Gabby a Golden Girls fan, <laughs> which I don't remember her being in the original, in, in the run by Tom Taylor. If she was, forgive me, but you know I love yeah. Golden Girls. Hardcore. And uh, I don't know why, when I was like writing up my notes and thinking about this, like I started to tear up a little bit when I thought of Gabby being a Golden <laughs> Girls fan. That's great. It just made me so happy. Yeah. But she's like this hopeful, wonderful hero of comics that we need. Like mm-hmm. Gabby's like a shining light. When everything is dark in the world, you have Gabby like, <laughs> she's like, vroom, 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 yeah, sending yeah. off positive energy. She's the best. There's also this cyborgy clone of Laura and seeing how this develops is giving me joy, but a lot of anxiety. Right. Like I just, these stories can end so horribly. Yeah. I really, really am enjoying the heck out of this book. Totally. Those are the books that will be on shelves at your local comic shop this week. But collections on sale this week include Conan Chronicles Epic Collection, Out of the Darksome Hills, Infinity Gauntlet Deluxe Edition. Well, hold on a second. Yeah. The fact that we're getting um, Conan reprints yeah. is a big deal. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So I think that that bodes well. It's really exciting stuff. Totally. We also have Marvel's Captain Marvel Prelude. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, The Beginning, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, Punisher Epic Collection, Kingpin Rules, and Punisher War Journal by Matt Fraction, The Complete Collection, Volume 1. Ooh, that's real good. Mm. Bunch of stuff hitting the digital uh, stores this week and digital services. I guess we've never collected it on the Marvel app, but Annihilation, The Complete Collection, Volume 1 and 2, so good. You have to get it. Please and thank you. (laughs) Then on Marvel Unlimited, there's a bunch of stuff in here. Infinity Wars number one is out there. Cosmic Ghost Rider number two. We have a lot of older stuff, Marvel team-ups, some like late era Marvel team-ups, some Moon Knight from the 80s, the 1998 Punisher story uh, series from Marvel Knights at the beginning. Oh, there's a a 1988 Black Panther series, which I've never read, and tons more. So uh, go check that out. It's all on Marvel Unlimited this week. Totally. Just so you guys know, we read these like now a week and a half before they come out and we read them in a mix of digital and like these weird printouts. Yeah. Uh, So sometimes our news is a little bit off. Right. You know, like what I saw, if you guys follow us on social media, you may see different stuff, but uh, we're getting these comics early for you guys and uh, it's great. Yeah. We're having fun. Yeah. It's good times, Tucker. It's good times. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe.